we will give you the secret key to the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey there, and welcome to Up Next in Commerce, your number one podcast for e-commerce thought leadership from the best and brightest minds in the industry. I'm Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. And today I'm talking to Neha Singh, the founder and CEO of Obsess, a company that has the keys to the metaverse castle. So if you've got a metaverse question, right here is where you will find the answers. Enjoy. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning at business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities? or little discussed financial trends, or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness. Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who wanna break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Neha, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie, for having me. I'm very excited to have you because this episode, I want to start the episode off in a little bit different of a way than I have done so far. So are you up for this challenge? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this is my new segment that I just made up like five minutes ago, and it's all around a piece of technology and whether you think it's overrated or underrated, and you can't give me why until the very end. I'm just going to shoot some buzzwords off to you and you tell me overrated or underrated. Okay, got it. All right. First, NFTs. Overrated. Polaroids. Overrated. VR headsets. Underrated. Blockchain. Underrated. Web 3.0. Just as there is like a right, an option just rated about right. <laughs> that can be an option for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for the just about right. <laughs> okay. And then metaverse. Underrated. All right. So the last one then is actually what I want to kind of start this episode off with because your company is all around to me at the forefront of the metaverse and what you are doing to bring brands into it. So I would love to kind of start there and hear what is Obsess? Tell me a bit of the, you know, the details around what is this company? Who does it serve? What does it look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Obsess is a shopping platform for the metaverse. Uh, We enable brands and retailers to create immersive shopping experiences on their websites and on metaverse platforms. So what that means, um, it's definitely always easier to describe what we do visually and show things, but I will try do, you know, always try to do my best to describe it in words. But if you picture, you know, today's typically e-commerce shopping sites, um, well, they look like a grid of thumbnails on a white background, right? And if you think about this sort of interface of shopping, it was really created 25 years ago at this point for selling books originally. And then somehow from books, it got used for every product, every category, every brand, right? So today, like if you shop online, you know, a dress looks the same size as a table, looks the same size as a toothpaste, right? And they're all presented in exactly the same way. Um, So as you think about, um, you know, where technology is today and what is possible to do 
um, you know, in our little mobile devices and how powerful the graphics are, we can actually create shopping experiences now that are much richer, more dynamic, that don't have to be like just like a database. Um, so essentially, we have um, developed uh, proprietary pattern pending technology that enables us to render really high quality 3D graphics on the browser um, at a high resolution, photorealistic quality and very fast performance. So what that means is that um, as a retailer, you can create this immersive 3D environment on your website. Consumers don't even have to download an app. They don't have to put on a VR headset, although that is also an option if they want to. But really, this technology is meant to for anyone to just look at on their phone, click a link on Instagram, um, you know, and be transported to this world of the brand. That world can look like a retail store, but it can really look like anything that the brand wants it to look like. There's no limits on the, um, you know, creativity. And so it's really a brand new way for um, retailers to think about how to reach their consumers um, in a way that's much, you know, uh, in digitally deeper than they have been able to in the past. So for this Type of company. I would love it if you could actually pull something up to show us what does it actually look and feel like? Because I think like you mentioned before, words are helpful. However, actually seeing what the possibilities are would be, it's very intriguing to me as well. So if you have something at hand. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm going to pull up an example of a virtual experience um, that was created uh, by General Mills, who is one of our customers. So this is really a great example because it is such a non-traditional way of shopping online. So, you know, essentially, obviously, General Mills CPG brands, they have, um, you know, lots of CPG brands and they um, have this program called Tailgate Nation. And they used our platform to create this experience where you could choose, first of all, whether you want to home gate or tailgate. And as you choose one of those options, you get transported into this essentially an entirely virtually created world that presents their products in a whole like different way than you would typically see in a retail store. So here, like we recreated the outside of the Michigan Stadium. This is all in 3D. So another thing to note here is that, you know, this technology has now gotten so advanced that we can create things like this that are fully digital, but they look so real. Like this is not a photograph from an actual space that we went and shot outside the Michigan Stadium. Like this is all completely digital. And then um, you can actually, all the experiences also have music, which I, I haven't turned on right now, but that makes it really um, immersive. Then you can go around. In this case, they created these little kind of tents for the different brands. You can get all the details of each product. And then also there's all kinds of like other content here. So you can actually get the schedule of all the games. Um, and then each brand has its own kind of little different, um, you know, content experience that you get along with the products. Because what we really see from the data is that the more, um, you know, content there is for customers to interact with, the more um, they engage with the experience and the more they shop and the more they spend. So, for example, here um, you can actually get recipes, you can download the recipe. So this whole experience, because General Mills um, obviously sells through um, retailers. So this was done in partnership with Meyer. And as you do shop ingredients, all of the ingredients of a particular recipe will actually from the Meyer.com site will get added. Um, you know, you'll kind of see everything that goes into it and you can add it to your cart. That's cool. Wow. 
there's even a photo booth where you can go and take a selfie inside the virtual store. And then at any time you can switch to the home gate. Um, and at that point, you're transported to this home where now you're in this very contextual environment, right? So instead of just always seeing products in the context of a retail setting, you can actually see products in the context of where you would use them. And that actually increases conversion rate. It increases performance because people might discover products that they don't didn't think of, right? Like in e-commerce, yeah. everything is very, um, you know, search and filter, um, but here, like you might just walk around, you'd be like, oh, what's this? Um, and you might, you know, decide that you now want to bake cookies and you're going to get this Betty Crocker cookie mix. So, um, you know, we have a ton of brands, uh, customers in a lot of different categories, but I think this is... Now you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the experiences that shows that the power of like um, 3D virtual experiences, you can even go out into the yard. There's like a bunch of games here. Yeah. So it's really kind of rich and, um, you know, just, I think, again, it goes down to the creativity of the brand. Like they came up with all these ideas of how they wanted yeah. to, you know, present this completely different shopping experience to their consumers. And our platform just kind of enables them to do that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, thank you for showing that. That definitely helps me think about so many possibilities of how this technology can be used. And it also goes against some of the points. I mean, I've talked to a quite a few people on the show around the metaverse and everyone has different ideas of like what it actually is. You've got some people who are like, yeah, I mean, what are we going to do? Just be wandering around some random virtual land with like no incentives and no structure. And then you see this and you're like, you know, after just talking with Crate and Barrel earlier and them trying to figure out how to show you, you know, items in a way that's contextual and makes sense. Like if you do it in certain ways, it actually makes sense to meet real world problems right now. And so I want to hear more of your thoughts on like, how are you thinking about the metaverse? I know you have some ideas around that, but like, yeah, I think you are perfectly positioned of all the people I've talked to to tell me your thoughts and where you think it's headed. Yeah, absolutely. Metaverse, obviously, right now is a very big topic and it encompasses a lot of different technologies, right? So that's kind of the first thing to know that it it is really everything from 3D virtual environments to how, um, you know, we will all sort of become avatars to how we will have these different activities that, you know, a lot of activities that we might do in real life today or in like regular digital platforms that we'll now do in the metaverse. But then it also in, involves technologies like um, blockchain and virtual reality and augmented reality. So it's really, you know, all of these different pieces have been around and have been talked about for the last several years. And what has happened really with Facebook's name change is that there's a new name to kind of this collective set of new technologies. And really, it's ultimately the next version of the Internet. But what's interesting is like, obviously, you know, we um, in the industry, we spend so much time debating, um, you know, what the what is the metaverse and what does it mean? And so we recently did a consumer study, a large scale consumer study to get consumer perceptions of the metaverse and what they think it is. Right. And um, as you would expect, there is a lot of confusion among people yeah. of like what the metaverse is. And actually something like 20% of people thought that it was a technology owned by Facebook, uh, which is also yeah. not, not very surprising. I feel like that's what Facebook wanted, though, honestly. Like the word metaverse was being talked about before they changed their platform name. And so I'm like, this is what they wanted. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, but um, most of them, like 40% of people sort of had the right idea of, um, you know, what it is. But ultimately, 
you know, what was really interesting is like we had this, you know, questions about what do you think the metaverse is? But then we had questions of like all the practical things like, you know, have you bought items in um, online video games? Like, would you want to see brands um, in games? And so all of those answers are overwhelmingly yes from Gen Z. Uh, but like, so in the end, it's like what the metaverse is to a consumer doesn't matter. Like no one cares. And, and I used to say the same thing, you know, earlier, there used to be this whole debate about what is virtual reality and what is augmented reality? And, oh, this is AR and it's not VR, but it's like, people don't care. Um, you know, like as a consumer, I just like, obviously I'm talking about this in the context of retail and shopping. I just want to have a fun experience. I want to get what I want. I want to be inspired Right. And so that's really the context in which, like, I think we need to think about it versus like, what are the different technical pieces or what is it called? Or sure, is this metaverse? Is this not metaverse? Yeah. Because when you ask people like, um, you know, do they want um, to see, you know, would they want to like see products from um, their favorite brands um, in the games that they play? And uh, basically, let's see, 51% of Gen Z said that they would love to explore, um, you know, anything like a world or an environment created by their favorite brands in um, in online video games. So that's a very concrete, yep. you know, manifestation of the metaverse and how for a brand they can actually move forward with that. So that's kind of one example. Another example is obviously like virtual products and NFTs, which also are part of the metaverse. And when you ask um, people like a like so many of them, you know, seventy four percent of Gen Z have actually you know already purchased digital items like accessories, skins, garments for avatars in games, right? And then fifty two percent of people in general across all age groups said that they would pay up to fifty dollars for a virtual item. So that's huge, and that is a business opportunity for brands and retailers right there. Because imagine like the consequences, like you as a fashion brand, you don't have to produce things in real life anymore. You just get to use your creativity, create these virtual items. It's more sustainable. It's better for the bottom line. It's higher margins. And there is actually a demand for that out there, right? So in that sense, that's why when you ask the metaverse, whether the metaverse is underrated, in a way it is because it it's already there. It already exists. Like there's this demand. And only in the last few months now, there has, you know, at least from a retailer standpoint, there has been like a spotlight on this. But then there's kind of many other parts of it that are still very early in development and will take time. And there's kind of, you know, misunderstandings about like what is possible today and what's not possible. And we can go uh, more into detail of that. But I think from a retail standpoint, you know, the first step is really for brands to think about like what is their 3D virtual manifestation of their brand. Um, it's like a new format for them, right? Like this tailgate example that I showed you, but this is obviously for a specific activation. But in general, for a brand, like what are you going to look like in this visual virtual like world that's coming up and is here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I always think about like language. It's such like a tricky thing. And once a term comes out, I actually feel like it can like ruin something and, you know, make a lot of um, probably like wrong ideas around like what something is. And then it takes time to unravel that, like the ideas that someone built up to be like, no, this is what it could look like. But I love the way you're phrasing it around. OK, no one cares about the actual technology and what's behind it. I mean, this is true in all of history. And that's like the best technology actually moves to the background. Like you don't even know it's there. And so same thing, like starting out 
in crypto, like what you had to do back in the day to buy a Bitcoin or whatever was insane. And people were like, well, no one will be able to do this. And here's why. And if no, all these things and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, today, like the best technology actually moved to the background and no one knows what exactly is going on behind the scenes. And 99% of people don't care. Like, of course, there's that 1% who does care, but most people actually don't. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing that once you start thinking about what problems do you want to solve as a brand, and then how do you actually do that? Like you said, how do you want to show up, you know, when it comes to a tailgating activity or how do you want to show up in, you know, someone's backyard to show an item or what it could look and feel like with a cute fire pit and a nice new outdoor couch. And I mean, it sounds simple, but I feel like so many people actually do it the other way around of like, let's go all in on this new thing and try out everything versus being like, well, wait, what are we going to represent here? And maybe what pieces can fit into this to solve the higher level problem? Yeah, absolutely. You said it right. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, when thinking about like how brands can think about this though, like so much of it still feels very, very new. And I mean, how would you think a brand can first start to approach even thinking about this and maybe to level set to, to like what's in my mind is a couple, maybe it was like a week or two ago, one of our guests basically said, just stop using the term metaverse because it's already been here in a lot of ways. Like we've already been doing things in the metaverse. If you look at the definition of it for a very long time, And so just like take the language out, but then like just so people can even start thinking about how to play in this. But then how would you advise a brand to get past that and move forward in a way that's maybe not super risky? Yeah, absolutely. That is a great question. And for us, like, you know, from my perspective, there is a straightforward answer because before, you know, the whole kind of buzz of the metaverse in the last like four to six months came about, um, you know, we launched our platform about like three years ago. And um, what what we call ourselves is experiential e-commerce, which is that, you know, really kind of just going back to my original description, how do you take e-commerce from being a purely search and filter transaction, which has its place in one particular use case, you know exactly what you're looking for, and this is a great interface to find it. But now more and more commerce is moving online and how can brands capture the rest of that behavior that exists today in retail stores? Or maybe an Instagram of discovery, inspiration, you know, how do brands capture that? So, and metaverse is really one solution overall to capture that. But for how brands can get started on that today, it's actually very easy because um, the, the technology that I showed you just now, it exists just on the web. Like you don't need to be on other platforms. You don't need to even have 3D models of all your products. Um, actually can just use images off of your existing product feed and API. And the only thing that you really need to think about is from a, you know, going back to creative perspective, like what is it that, you know, you want to create and you, you think will engage your consumers. And then in our case, you know, we handle sort of the rest of the technical integration. And we also do, you know, once we have the concept, we'll do the design of the, the 3D modeling of the actual kind of environment for brands. So. These virtual stores are now kind of being called an entry point into the metaverse. Um, And that's actually a great description because it is really something A, that has existed for the last like few years, not not for a long time, because only recently our mobile devices are powerful enough that they can, you know, process all this. But it has existed for two to three years. 
Um, and more importantly, there's a lot of data now on just like we have data on how much more consumers are engaging, how much more they are purchasing, how, higher average order values with, you know, when you use this type of an interface, which, you know, again, today is not going to replace your entire e-commerce website, but it is an addition to your e-commerce website to start to try to capture that alternate behavior, which you, which you're not getting today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty, you know, it really often we will launch with customers in like six to eight weeks. It's pretty, um, it's pretty quick. Um, especially if, you know, you know, sort of like what, um, the visual representation looks like and even easier is sometimes as step one, like many brands will, you know, we'll just replicate their retail store and, um, at least that's, you know, like a first step of um, moving into the space is like you start to give people a more experiential, you know, interface online. So if you already have created an amazing experience in your store, you can actually put it on your site. And even that's kind of a step one to the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Once you have that figured out, I think then you need to think about which other platforms you know, make sense for your goals and for your demographic targets. So, you know, going back to what you said, instead of coming from it the other way, like, oh, there are these new technologies, let's go to this and that platform, or let's go to Sandbox or Decentraland. Um, like what, you know, who are you trying to target and does it match with, you know, what each of each of these platforms have their own specific demographics? So then, um, you know, once you have that base kind of 3D world, um, your 3D brand world, um, then now we are helping brands to actually put those worlds on other platforms like Roblox and Fortnite because those have massive like audiences today. And, um, you know, as a retailer, you will get ROI from those platforms similar to how you are today on Instagram and TikTok because of, you know, you're trying to tap into the audiences. So it's that sort of like step-by-step approach. Like, again, that might feel like daunting at this time. And it's like, it's a game. Like, what am I supposed to do there? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that... That is part of, I mean, part of it is obviously technology and the technical platforms like ours and others will emerge to kind of fill that gap. But um, I think really from a brand standpoint, I kind of keep going back to it, but it's figuring out like what is that 3D virtual representation. And it's not something that has to be static forever. It's like, you know, can keep changing all the time. Like you have infinite real estate in the in the virtual world. You can, you know, add rooms, remove rooms, which many of our customers do. You can one, you know, one season you can create planets in space and another season you could go like underwater. But I think it's just, um, you know, and you will learn like, you know, from the data, you will see what works and what doesn't work. But um, the step one is really, you know, pretty easy to start kind of getting those data and learnings. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Up Next in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. I also think about all the uh, the opportunities when it comes to blending the online and offline experience, especially for commerce items that are very, uh, have like lots of bells and whistles where you're like, okay, I'm walking maybe into, I mean, I'll just use like, I'm in a house, so I'll just use a house. But it's like you walk in and you're like, there's so many things I probably just don't even know that this house has or does or features or cars or, and so I could see this really cool opportunity of trying to blend the two together where, you know, 
brands start thinking about like, okay, how does someone come here and look at whatever this item is, but then also see all the details that like my marketing cannot do. Like I can only put so many words on this or whatever it may be. A lot of cool applications that, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, actually it's going back to very fundamental uh, concept of omni-channel that, you know, has been talked about in the retail world for a long time. And omni-channel in the past was really about logistics, right? Most of the conversation over the last, like, let's say five to 10 years was how can we have synced inventory so you can buy online, pick up in store and get that, um, get this access to the same set of products doesn't, uh, regardless of the channel. And now this is an extension to that because now omni-channel is moving to experience. How can you get the same experience, whether you're going to a store or you're going online and not that the online experience should be so much worse. Mm -hmm. So um, it's exactly what you said about bringing those elements of online, offline together. And the, you know, those, these things have been in conversation for a while. And it's like now there is actually technology that makes it really easy to do that and it makes it really easy to blend very with very sort of like immediate business case because if you have a store and um, you want to increase the ROI on that store like one super quick thing you can do is put that store online because now a whole bunch of more audience can come to that store without having to go there in person um, and they can you know visit it from all over the country and in case of some of our customers they are you know, making their flagship um, locations around the world accessible to customers around the world. So, you know, the New York, um, you know, Ralph Lauren, Madison Avenue flagship, someone in um, Europe or someone in Hong Kong can actually shop it. So I think it's really interesting how like retailers are finding these new ways um, using these technologies to actually, you know, drive their business goals. Um, and it's all about kind of that omni-channel experience, bringing the same experience across all touch points to the customer. Yep. Yep. Mic drop. I agree. Okay. So when thinking about the future, I want to hear about maybe some experiential commerce visions that you have where you're like in 2025, you know, shopping will look like this and they can be ideas, especially if people, some people don't agree with you on them even better. But yeah, I would love to kind of see how your, you know, how your mind is thinking about the future of experiential commerce. Yeah, I think, um, so we are in 2022 now. So by 20, I'll, I'll say like for 2030, because it's hard to okay. <laughs> um, know exactly like how some of these, how quickly some of these technologies will yeah. evolve, but it is just a matter of time. Um, but I think, you know, in 2030, like experiential e-commerce will actually mean fully experiential um, so today that those experiences are being created on a mobile device and you are seeing them through these small, you know, small screens. Um, ultimately, I think we will be, you know, inside of these experiences, we will be inside of them with other people. You know, I could jump from, you know, a planet of one beauty brand to like a, a villa of like a luxury fashion brand and I can actually walk around those things and I think less and less of it will look like stores mm -hmm. I think more of it will just look like you know crazy experiences that are completely like branded like every season for a fashion brand will change based on whatever the inspiration of you know the designer was for that season and maybe you can you know in that same experience you might be able to step back and take a look at um, take a look at like how they were actually made in the atelier. And then you might be able to sit in the front row of the fashion show and actually see everything going down the runway and shop it. And then a lot of all of this will be 
I think not for real items. Going back to the kind of beginning and the question is like a lot more of it will be for completely digital assets and completely digital items that I will be able to buy and like put on my avatar right that second. And then I will kind of go around the rest of the metaverse in my new in my new clothing. Yep. And even though it seems like, you know, it's far out, but like all the pieces, so many pieces of this already exist. Um, the pieces that still have to come is for the full immersion is really the hardware. And like, you know, obviously it's getting better and better and the adoption is increasing, but just like something that, um, you know, you can be immersed in and it's comfortable and it's like, you know, attractive from like a device perspective that you put on your face. And I think that's going to happen when Apple releases their device, which most likely will be sometime in the next two years. And I think that will kickstart sort of this whole thing. And I think the other part of that will also be like, even as you're walking around in real world, there will be you know, shopping will just not mean that you're like literally going to stores, but you might be able to shop like anything that you see anywhere. And also you will have, because like so much of fashion will be digital, like in a way, like you could be wearing something in your, in your real life as you're walking around, but you could be wearing something totally different if people see you like virtually. Right. And again, all of these bits of technology like exist today. And, you know, people are just looking for um, and, you know, again, talking specifically about fashion, but people are just constantly looking for new ways to express themselves. Right. And that mm-hmm. is for fashion fundamentally is and beauty. Um, so it's already evident, like, you know, from Roblox stats, like one um, one in five players is changing their avatar clothing every day. So essentially wow. pretty much like every within a week, everyone has bought or changed the, you know, what they're wearing in one video game. Obviously, in daily life, you change. Uh, in real life, you change daily. So you can just imagine, like, if you're on all these different, you know, platforms, like even the same person, like I could be wearing five different outfits at the same time, depending on who is looking at me or what my context is. And one, I could be in a meeting, and one, I could be, you know, having fun. So, I think the possibilities are just endless. I think you'll see a lot of new brands emerge that will be digital first. Um, you know, obviously now a lot of traditional brands are trying to also create digital products. And yeah, I think it's going to be really, really fun. I think ultimately creativity will be the currency. And um, and I think for brands, you know, that's kind of their DNA and um, that's what they need to protect and like keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, when you're talking about jumping from hub to hub, it kind of reminded me, I had this like future vision of like Burning Man. Okay. And everyone's probably like, Steph, why are you about to talk about Burning Man? However, I think it's kind of relevant because, I mean, Burning Man is like, you know, a mini city and has a bunch of camps and every camp has its own flair. And you go there to basically like, you know, see what's happening in these different also mini worlds within a mini city. And so I just had this vision of Burning Man being like the future of the metaverse. If anyone wants that branding, I'm here for it. I can license that idea out of my head. I like it. I think it's a nice way to explain the metaverse. It's just Burning Man. (laughs) Yeah. And anyone who, you know, doesn't know what Burning Man is, I guess just check it out or look it up or I don't know. My last question I was just thinking about are around, I guess, incentives of investments when it comes to a brand. So if I'm thinking about where should I be investing and you've got the metaverse over here and NFTs and, you know, some very cool, I would say definitely cool experiences and things that, you know, maybe you want to be striving for. And then you hear about like Web 3.0 and you're like, well, damn, if we have Web 3.0, 
do these two even like go hand in hand because you've got one side that's like very decentralized. You know, they're, I don't even know how brands could interact well in Web 3.0 at this point. And I mean, that to me feels like I just don't understand it enough to see how a brand could play well in there and get information and be able to like showcase personalized information. So it feels like that's like tough for me to think about. And in one way, I'm like, I don't know if brands are ready for that kind of new world. Like, and then you've got the metaverse, like if they're investing big into that, do these two actually play together or like, how are you thinking about, yeah, these two concepts? Yeah, that's a good question. And Web 3.0 is also another one of those terms that's like not well understood and Mm -hmm. different people have different definitions and meanings of it. And in some ways, just part of metaverse, but in some ways it's not. So I think from a brand perspective, what I would say at the moment is that there's just too, I mean, there's nothing settled there yet. And there's like too many changes and we don't know how things will kind of shake out. So I don't know if there's that much for brands to do yet if you look at just kind of the decentralized portion of Web3. But um, some people also, you know, talk about like NFTs and metaverse as part of the Web3 concept. But Mm -hmm. there, I think there's, you know, two things. One is like for NFTs, obviously, uh, you know, I just talked about sort of the value of digital assets. And I think brands can think about it in different ways. Like it's, like it doesn't have to be an NFT technically, like if you want to sell, um, start experimenting with virtual goods and, you know, digital assets, like you can just sell them, you know, even mm-hmm. with, you know, regular currency, you can sell them as filters, you can um, have them as, ex- you know, um, avatar accessories and different gaming platforms, which are not technically NFTs, but NFT is just one form of the broader digital assets or virtual fashion like category, right? So I think that's very important because there's definitely this, um, I think, you know, you uh, in the overrated, underrated, the reason I said NFT is overrated because because right now, like brands and retailers are thinking like that's the only way that I can like have a digital garment. But it's very tricky today because there is no standard um, for how you can interchange a digital jacket across different platforms or across different avatars, right? So even if you buy this NFT, like, yes, now brands are looking at it as a loyalty token, which kind of makes sense. But if you were really thinking about it from a virtual fashion perspective, there's no practical application of it right now. I'm sure it's going to get there. But like right now, there's just kind of this, you know, frenzy around it, but it's like not really clear like what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, so brands need to think of it in that broader perspective. Like if you actually... Um, let's say create a collection for Roblox and that has 45 million daily active users and your, um, you know, let's, I'm just calling it, let's say you get a dollar for every jacket that you sell there. Right. And that is actually something that so many people will see. And like Roblox is an inherently social community and, you know, your friends will see like what you're wearing. So, and you will make revenue. So that's a very clear cut sort of like business model to me. Whereas some of the rest of it is still experimental. So I think that if you consider that sort of like part of Web3 or not, like, again, it's just like a question of definition. And then, yeah, for the metaverse, we already talked about, which is the second part is like, you can start with creating these, you know, experiences on your own site. And you will always, as a retailer, that will always be necessary because 
The other thing that, um, you know, may, maybe people forget in all of this is today, the only place where you can sell physical products is your site. You cannot sell them on the metaverse platforms. You cannot sell them on gaming platforms because they are all closed ecosystems where you can only mm-hmm. sell digital assets for the avatar or for that platform. So if you're thinking of, you know, first of all, like yeah, entering the metaverse or create, you know, we get often emails like, uh, I want to be in the metaverse. <laughs> like what does, you know, that means? So I want to enter this secret community and I want the password to get in. <laughs> so yeah, the thing to know there is that, um, you know, if your primary 99% of your business or 100% in most cases is still selling physical products, like you can only sell that through, you know, like traditional channels in the sense your website or retailer websites, but you can create much better experiences, metaverse experiences to sell that on your site. And that is the only place where you will get access to direct customer data. And that is the only place where you will control the end-to-end e-com transaction, Um, right? Because once again, you go to these other platforms, like you do not own the customer, just like you don't own the customer on Instagram or TikTok. So those are very important things to remember. And, you know, you don't own the transaction on those platforms. They take huge cuts of each like transaction that gets um, made. So that's why you need to have this two prong strategy of like starting with step one of having it on your site and then thinking about which platforms make sense. And it will be a different set of products that you will be on selling on each of these platforms. But, you know, that brand representation can be consistent Just like today, you know, your stores in different countries might look slightly different, but anytime you walk into them as a customer, you can recognize like what brand it is. Well, Neha, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for explaining all the things that are happening with the metaverse and how we can actually get in. (laughs) But yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people find out more about you and Obsess? Um, Yeah, check us out on obsessar.com. And yeah, feel free to write to us and we will give you the secret key to the metaverse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, love that. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.